Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Tennessee Titans 2023 draft class is unlike any the franchise has ever had. Blah, blah, blah. For the second time in two years, Titans seemingly have drafted their quarterback of the future. Blah, blah, blah. The Titans, with this draft class, largely ignored what looks to be still the most pressing need they have on their current roster. Blah, blah, blah. This is the Believe in Titans podcast, and we all know there is only one storyline that matters coming out of this draft. I am David Beauclair, joined as always by John Glennon and former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. And John, you are one of the country's foremost analysts on these matters, so let's get right to what everybody is talking about, and that is the 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 biggest question mark the 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 most likely problem with first round draft pick Peter Skaronsky. Well, I, I I know that Denard is enraged about this. He's he's uh, been yes. talking about it nonstop ever since the uh, ever since the pick. This is a, quite a pet peeve of his ever since the Titans took uh, Roger McCreary last year. But uh, the 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 one critique uh, uh, that I know is driving Denard crazy. Is the short arms of Peter Skaronsky. Short arms. Uh, I'm going short to sleep. Go ahead. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, that that is the uh, the critique. We'll say that is the one critique that comes up almost as soon as you mention Peter Skaronsky's name is, is that, boy, does this guy do everything well? Left tackle, maybe. Left card, certainly a great possibility, too. Uh, either way, he's got a, got a high floor, a high ceiling. Uh, you know, I like the pick personally, so we're we're just going to give Denard a little bit of a hard time because he uh, he uh, he argues his point so uh, so well. But Peter Skaronsky's arms, thirty two and a quarter inches long, that's pretty short for a tackle. Is he going to be able to handle those guys that get in on him quickly on the edge, Denard, with short arms like that? I mean, from all the all that we hear, it sounds like this guy is a Tyrannosaurus Rex. We hear uh, we hear about these uh, short arms so often, huh? Denard, a rebuttal? Well, first of all, I'm going to say this about the young man, Mr. Peter Skaronsky. Congratulations, the number 11 pick. 21 years old, six foot four, 315 pounds. He's a grown man, and who cares about his arm length? Because you know what? He is the 2022 Remington Pace Offensive Lineman of the Year, and he's the first Northwestern Wildcat to be named unanimous All-American. I tell you what, that's never happened in school history. So let's forget about the short arms because last year in 2022, uh, John Glennon, he went against a young man that went number two overall, Aiden Hutchinson, and he absolutely dominated him. And Aiden Hutchinson is six foot seven. Uh, 250 pounds, a Greek god, went number two to the Detroit Lions. And if you watch that game, Peter Skaronsky had his number. Yeah, it, it's funny how these how these things become draft line stories. And, and you know, we've obviously had a lot of fun over the last year. With I see 
Gosh. And, and and his short arms and and he was he was just fine for the Titans largely uh, in, in his rookie season. But you know I, I've read where the, you know NFL teams prefer their tackles to have at least arms of 34 inches because you need to be able to reach you know that far you know with guys coming around the edge or whatnot if uh if you're playing tackle in this league it's uh uh it, it you know i mean this is this is this is how the draft becomes the ultimate nitpicky sort of uh sort of scenario but but clearly this is not just a, a John Robinson thing. You know, John Robinson was willing to gamble on the short arms with Roger McCreary. It's Rand Carthen who's willing to gamble on the short arms with Peter Skaronsky. This is, this is a systemic issue with the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. You're, you're, before yeah. long, you're just, you're just going to have a team full apparently of, of short arm guys who are, uh, who are, who are, you know, just doing their best to get their hands on somebody well, out there. Yeah, but I, I, I start last year, quarterback, that little short arm guy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's because it's now it's on both sides of the ball. It's like a disease. Well, yeah, you two with the about how well he played last year. Now you want to talk about his arms. Yeah. Well, He's yeah. Not discriminating on the arm length. I'm being lighthearted, of course, and talking about his arms. I, I'll, 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 Honestly, I think this is a great pick for the Titans, um, you know, and, and he has d- defended uh, himself. He says, you know, what what he uses to sort of overcome any any deficiencies in arm length uh, is, is that he's a technician. You know, his hand use is outstanding. His footwork is is very good. Um, and, and, you know, he just strikes me as the classic Titans Mike Brabel kind of pick. I mean, this is a guy who, who was not at the uh, at the draft. Uh, itself, you know, and, and all the fancy things that are going on out there. No, no, when they picked him, he was at a Chicago pizzeria eating pizza and drinking beer there with, with family and friends. Um, you know, this is a guy that, that Mike Brabel said, uh, you know, hey, we wanted more speed, more violence and versatility this offseason. Skaronsky fits all, checks all three of those boxes off. So I think what they're going to do is give him a shot at left tackle. I think he's the the guy who gets the first shot at left tackle because he played almost strictly left tackle and did very well uh, in in college. Uh, and if he sticks there, he sticks. I think he'll be a good one. And and if he has any issues, uh, you know, from all the scouting reports, it, it looks like he'll be a perfect fit at guard as well. Maybe even a better fit. Uh, so I, I really like this pick. This is I wanted the Titans to go offensive line with that first selection. You know, Paris Johnson was already off the board. So I'm uh, I'm I'm good. I give a, a two thumbs up to Skaronsky. Yeah, and uh, Mike Vrabel, I, I believe it was, said uh, you know they they didn't expect him to be there at eleven. They they thought that you know this was this was sort of a bonus him falling to you. And, and you're exactly right. You know the the whole it, it, it's very similar to, to Roger McCreary this this issue with arm length. If it's actually an issue, if your footwork is good and you're in the right position, you're not reaching for people. Or in Roger McCreary's play case, you know you're not having to reach too far for the ball. It it it's not a problem and. Uh, you know the the fact that I think that that people project he could play guard just as easily as tackle probably makes uh, makes that whole issue moot in a lot of ways. And, and you know I, I I've been on the record here and I still feel this way. Like I I don't like all this talk about versatility on the offensive line. Like you know if 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 you need a left tackle, get a left tackle. And I think that's certainly what the Titans are trying to do. But I do think that with 
with Andre Dillard and with Daniel Brunskill and and now with Peter Skaronsky and with uh, Nicholas Petit Frere last year, I I think they have some. Brewer, they have some what's that? And Brewer also. And, and Brewer, you know Brewer, you know Dylan Radens. You know if if they haven't given up on him, it just it, it feels like they have some interesting pieces right now that uh, that you know to to try to put together and. Uh, and it's not going to take much, quite honestly, right, to to have a better offensive line than uh, than you had last year. So it, it it's just a matter of uh, the new new offensive line coach Jason Hodling and and Mike Vrabel and and the rest figuring out you know who fits where and when and, and the the quicker they can they can get that done the better. I I think we would all agree on that. So. Uh, um, you know, Denard, you saw you saw a young Brad Hopkins in this league. Uh, you know, obviously the game has changed a little bit, but uh, is left tackle a particularly tall order for a rookie? Is it is it any harder you think than any other positions for somebody to step in at right away? Well, first of all, your left typically most quarterbacks are right-handed, so when you talk about your left tackle, you protect your quarterback blind side. That's where you do not want to get line hit because that can put a player out for the season. So it is very important. Brad Hopkins was one of the best, if not one of the greatest Titans to play that position. And B-Hop, what made him so good, he wasn't very big, but the athleticism, he can move. And that's the key is, is your footwork. When you look at Peter Skaronsky, I watched that game against Michigan last year. I always remember, John, the way that you judge in this league is how you go against other guys or, or the players that are productive or they're going to go – uh, especially like Aiden Hutchinson, who went second overall to Detroit. I'm going to tell you something. Aiden Hutchinson put a move on Big Peter, and he did a spin move like Vaughn Miller. And a lot of you see a lot of those D tackles. That's what they love to do, go upfield and hit you with that spin move. And you see a lot of tackles struggling with that in the first year. Peter Skoronsky got Aiden Hutchinson by the neck. And let me tell you something, David, he didn't go nowhere. He was stationary. And that's what you want to see. The big man can play, and his athleticism at six four three fifteen is freaky. And and you know, I, go ahead, John. No, yeah, I was just going to add real quick to that. That was one of the more memorable quotes that I thought that Mike Vrabel had on Peter Skronsky too. He said, "Usually, when he gets his hands on somebody, they stop moving." Stop. Uh, you know, pretty good sign. Um, and and you know, early in his in his career. You know, he said he was probably even a better pass blocker than a run blocker. But, you know, since Northwestern is, is kind of more of a, a run-oriented team, he's become that good, you know, he feels, uh, running the ball too. And now he's to the point where he's, he's got that typical kind of Titans offensive lineman attitude. He said, hey, I'm an offensive lineman. I love to run the damn ball. So, uh, again, yeah, I, I, I really thought it was a good, uh, good, good selection, really fit the Titans. Yeah, I thought I thought they were in trouble in that regard when Paris Johnson went off the board as early as he did. That was kind of a little earlier than than I expected, and I thought, well, you know, that that almost eliminates any chance of Skaronsky falling to them now because I kind of I kind of thought there would be a, a a little more of a run on you know, on position, you know, some of the skill position early on and, and maybe one of those tackles would fall. And then when uh, when Paris Johnson went that quickly, when Will Levis started going down the board. I, I thought, oh, you know, somebody's somebody's going to scoop up Skaronsky here ahead of them, and it and it didn't happen. And you know that you know it, it's it's reminiscent of 
Taylor Lewan in in you know Lewan was the 11th overall pick. He he wasn't the the I mean he's tall but he he's not a you know this massive human being that people talked about. You know what people talked about with Taylor Lewan when he came out was his uh, was his footwork and and his competitiveness and and his athleticism and those sorts of things and and Lewan was very quick on Twitter in fact to endorse this selection and say, uh, you know, even a Michigan guy talking about a Northwestern guy saying uh, what what a good selection he was going to be. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it all turns out. But I, I think that was a, uh, that, that was a pick that got a lot of people excited on the first day and, and, and it set the stage for what, what was to come. I, I mentioned at the top that this draft class is unlike any other in franchise history because it was, all offense. Now, granted, it's not a huge draft class. It's six players, but you've got two offensive linemen, a quarterback, a running back, a tight end, and a wide receiver. So uh, um, Denard Walker, Rand Carthen says that's just the way the board fell. Do you buy that, or do you uh, do you see this as a reaction to the fact that the defense was really good last year and that the offense, uh, you know, had, needs needs some help? It needs some fixing right now. Well, the offense need a lot of fixing yet off, you know, at the offensive line. But, you know, what's uh, weird to me, very strange, David, is the fact that they waited until the seventh round to pick a receiver. <laughs> That's what shocked me. I'm like, listen, this was the, probably your Achilles heel of, of the team was the perimeter game last year. We know what the King can do. You know what Ryan Tannehill can do. But if you don't have no weapons on the outside, how can you win in this league? Look at Philadelphia. What did they go out and do? They traded for a player by the, I don't want to even say the name, <clears throat> but you know who I'm talking about. So that trade ended up getting Philly where? To the Super Bowl. Not to mention Philly just paid Jalen Hurts. I don't even want to talk about that contract he just paid, but let's just say they paid him quite handsomely. Again, the perimeter game made him so much better. I don't understand. There's still a lot of holes on the defense because you look at the safety position. When you look at, check it out, you got Amani and Kevin. Outside of those two, look at your backups. You're talking about Josh Thompson and Mike Brown. Are you sure if something happens to Amani who was injured last year uh, and then you look at Kevin, can you go to battle with these two and not to mention at the cornerback position? I think they're solid, but we've talked about the injuries with Christian Fulton. But last but not least, David, the linebacker position, you lose David Long Jr. He's gone in free agency. Zach Cunningham was cut. So is it time for your third-year pro, Monty Rice? You think he's going to step up and play big? And also, we, you know, in free agency, they went out and got Aziz Al-Shair. But other than that, look at your backups. Luke Gifford, Chance Campbell, Jack Gibbons. Are you sure those are the players that you can win with if something happens on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. The, uh, the, the grades on this draft class have, have sort of varied. I, I know, I think it was pro football focus had them at the Titans draft class as an A. I, I saw USA Today had it a, as a B minus and, and talked about some of the things you just mentioned, Denard, that, uh, that, you know, that there are holes on this roster that, that went unfilled in, in this, uh, in this draft. And, and, and John, we, you know, we look at this too, you, you know, Will Levis in a second round pick, you've got Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. You, you, third round, you take a running back. You still have Derrick Henry. It, it, it's yes, the Titans needed help on offense, but it's almost like they were drafting in some ways for 2024 and beyond for the offense. And, and they're going to try and piecemeal together, you know, whatever, whatever holes they still have. Do, don't you think? 
I do think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, look at look at what their wide receiver room is right now. I mean, you've got Traylon Burks, obviously, you know, very, very talented, but, you know, still not proven after one year. Nick Westbrook-Akina, you know, solid but limited. Uh, Chris Moore, the veteran free agent they signed, uh, sort of similar. You know, he, he had a decent year last year, but not an explosive guy. And you've got Kyle Phillips and Racing McMath still unproven as well. So, you know, Mike Brable was quick to say, hey, you know, there's going to be waiver wire pickups. Uh, you know, guys who are going to get cut for the remainder of this offseason. You know, I'm sure they'll look into into trades and UDFAs. But, you know, things stand right now. This was arguably the most or, or close to the most wide receiver needy team in the league. Uh, and they waited until 29 picks went off the board. 29 wide receivers went off the board, I should say, before they picked a wide receiver, uh, you know, out of UT Martin and, and Colton Dell. Um, and I like Dow. I think, you know, as a late round guy, he's got upside. He's 6'3", he's 215, and they say he's run a 4.4. But, you know, a lot of times, seventh round guys won't even make the team, you know, let, let alone be a, a savior for, for a wide receiver room. So, you know, and, and again, uh, you know, when it comes to wide receivers versus what they did with Will Levis, Therein kind of lies the, the rub because they felt it important enough to go up and get Will Levis that they traded away a couple of picks. Uh, you know, so instead of picking at 41, they move up to, to 33, right? They take Will Levis there. Right. Uh, and they also gave the uh, the Cardinals their their number 72 pick in the in the third. So in between where they would have picked at 42 uh and and where they ended up picking at um, at 81. Seven wide receivers went off the board at that point. Jaden Reed, Rashi Rice, Marvin Mims, Tank Dell, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, and Josh Downs. All of what would have looked pretty nice in a Titans uniform. Titans thought it it, it more uh more value to get a quarterback. Maybe they're they're proven uh correctly, but at this point, wide receiver is a is a big weakness still on this team. And and let's let's get into that. I mean that that is obviously uh, much more so than Peter Skaronsky's arms. It, it, it was the big news for the Titans out of uh, out of this draft is the decision decision to to move up and select Will Levis, who who had his Aaron Rodgers moment on Thursday, sitting there in the green room, you know, with the cameras on him, and you know this is a guy who at times during the the run up to the draft, people projected as maybe the number three overall pick, maybe even number two, certainly in in the top 10 or top 15 at, at worst. And then he ends up falling all the way out of the, uh, out of the first round uh, to where the Titans make a move up. And it, clearly they liked him because they, they moved up to get him. It, it, it creates uh it creates a couple different storylines. Number one, I think, uh, you know, any chance that, that people thought, Ryan Tannehill might get another like two year contract or so. Say after this year, I, you know that's clearly gone. Um, you know, all indications were coming out of last year that 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 the coaching staff had lost faith in in Malik Willis was you know that was clear. It, it's clearer now. Um, you know, Malik Willis's future with this team is is very much in jeopardy. Uh, um, so you know, Denard as I, I guess I'll just we'll start with this. Um, you feel like the the Titans maybe maybe stole a stole a, a big pick here with Will Levis. How how confident are you in uh, in his ability to 
to take over for Ryan Tannehill eventually and, and do the same sorts of things that he has done for this offense? Well, we know what he can do. He wasn't projected high. You know, that's not by coincidence. He can play. We, we talked about the year he had in 2021. Remember, he had Liam Cohen as his offensive coordinator. And uh, he had a big year. What was it? 3,200 yards uh, in 13 games, a 10 and three record at Kentucky, nine rushing touchdowns. He's a stud, but we talked about that senior campaign in 2022. He didn't have the athletes around him, as John alluded to the fact that his offensive line was abysmal at times, didn't have playmakers. And that's where you have the lack of production. Now, if you're Will Levis, this actually can be a blessing in disguise. David, John, let's not forget. <laughs> Some of your best players, and, and I want to give you, I've, I've been waiting to talk about this for so long. I want to give you a, some some names. And if okay. I will, right now, I'm, I'm sitting back thinking to myself, Denar Walker, I'm going to pay you for this. What does, when you think of the name Mark Bolger, what about Brunel, Rich Gannon, Matt Hasselbeck? Let's go back old school, the great Bart Starr, the greatest, uh, the greatest Packer of them all the greatest cowboy to ever play the game in Roger Staubach, and not to mention the GOAT of all time, Tom Brady. What do they have in common? None of them started as rookies, I'm guessing. No. They didn't get picked in the first two, right? Well, exactly. These are all late-round draft picks. Joe Theismann, we talk about Tom Brady. And all of these players have something in common. When they came, so when they when they came into the league, you think about Tom Brady in, in 2000. He had a chance to learn from who? Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe really was the face of the NFL. I had a chance to play against him. He was a dog. So if you're Will Levis, you're looking at this as a good thing because we talked about yeah, he's a good player, but he has a lot of flaws in his games. We talked about his mechanics. We talked about his decision-making skills. So now you get a chance to learn from one of the best in Ryan Tannehill, not to mention you got offensive coordinator Tim Kelly, who's going to run the ship. And we know what he's capable of doing as an offensive coordinator. We rave about his ability to do what? Produce young quarterbacks. Look at Deshaun Watson. You don't think he owes a lot to uh, Tim Kelly him getting that $200 million, million dollar deal? Look at what Davis Mills has done in Houston. He's had a great career so far. I'm, so, again, if you're, Will, if you're Will Levis, you're looking at this, and I know what the way that fans look at it and sometimes as critics and sometimes as writers, we look at it from a monetary standpoint. Yeah, he's going to lose all of this money because he didn't go in the first three or four uh, – he wasn't a part of the first four picks – but again, when you look at it, you end up gaining something in return. And that's knowledge. That's experience that you can you can take from Ryan and Tim Kelly. Yeah, Mike Vrabel always likes to say where you get drafted only means where you got into the NFL. After that, it, it, it's up to you what happens. And, and that's even if you're not drafted. You know, if you come in as a free agent, you, you know, you're if you do enough, you can you will get paid eventually. And uh and you know, and it's not like uh, it's it's not like Will Levis is going to be struggling here financially for the next couple of years. But uh, but you know what he was expecting his rookie contract to be and what it ultimately will be. Uh, I, I'm sure there's there's a there's a significant difference. But uh, John Glennon, as as you look at this, uh, um, good move for the Titans. Uh, bad move. I, I mean, certainly they could have taken a wide receiver, as you mentioned in the second round. It, it I mean, was this a, a move that they had to make when they, when they got into this position? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sold on, on Will Levis. I, you know, he may, he may turn out to be the, the franchise quarterback of the future. And, and that's, that's certainly a possibility 
Um, but, you know, I don't think you can say with a great degree of certainty right now, um, you know, the the attributes, obviously, the, the you know, prototypical size, 6'4", 229, you know, he's got the cannon arm, he's athletic, he can, he can run, you know, he's got a reputation for, for toughness and, and being a good leader uh, as well. And, and even his, you know, the fact that he played in sort of an NFL system, um, you know, especially in 2021, that, that should help, uh, you know, going into, into the NFL as well, too. But I, I think, you know, some of the reasons, uh, especially here, you know, in this area and in, in Tennessee and, and in the in the SEC country, that there was so much, you know, kind of blowback on this pick. Uh, um, you know, I, I don't think that that people around here who saw Will Levis pretty regularly were overly impressed with with what they saw in him, you know, going up against the SEC competition uh, on, on a weekly basis. Again, now last year you have to, to throw in some variables. The offensive line was down. The weapons were gone. The offensive coordinator was changed. But still, there there were some struggles. I mean, you, you look at last year against Vanderbilt. 13 for 19, 170 yards. Uh, no, excuse me. Let's try that again here. Against Vandy, 11 for 23, 109 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Against Tennessee, 16 for 27 for 98 yards, zero TDs, and three interceptions last year. So that's pretty fresh in the minds of fans around here. I think that's that's what added to a lot of frustration here. Also, the frustration, I, I think the fact, as I mentioned earlier, when they moved up to, to get him, they, they you know, gave up draft capital and, and cost them, you know, potential wide receivers. And I think one other factor that, that's irritating to uh, a lot of fans here in, in Tennessee, uh, the fact that a lot of them saw Hendon Hooker as, as being a, a better prospect uh, than, than Will Levis. You know, I mean, you look purely at the numbers, certainly. And Hendon Hookers were far, far better than than Will Levis. So I think all that kind of entered into the into the equation. And I can understand the frustration because you can't look at Will Levis's career in the SEC and and point to a lot of wow games. You know, you can't say, well, remember what he did that uh, uh, you know in this game. That's the Will Levis that we're going to see in the NFL level. His best game probably came in 2021 against Tennessee, 31 for 49, 372 yards. Three touchdowns and a pick in that game, uh, but but there really weren't that many, uh, you know. As I say, wow games for Will Levis. So this is a ba- a pick that is based more on potential and upside than actually what we have seen. I think so far. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's unquestionably, you know, by all accounts, a really smart guy. He has a uh, ha- has a big arm. I mean, I, I think I, I saw pre draft that he said he can throw the ball eighty yards in the air and. Uh, um, I saw a report from Albert Breer at Sports Illustrated who said uh, who said when the Titans met with him, they asked him to bring video clips of his, whatever number of his worst plays in college, and he and they asked him to to go through and explain his thinking on uh, on what what he was looking at and what went wrong on these plays and they were satisfied that that his understanding you know that his thinking on what he was trying to do and his understanding of what went wrong uh indicated that that he is a guy who can uh 
who, who can learn and correct mistakes as he goes. And that, uh, you know, that made them really comfortable, if if not excited about the prospect of, of getting him on the team. But, you know, to your point with the frustration, John, I, you know, I mentioned this there, there outside of Skaronsky there, there's not what looks like a whole lot of immediate impact in this group. And, and, it, and in a way it feels like Rand Carthen spent his first draft sort of cleaning up John Robinson's messes in a way. You know, when you look at uh when you look at Peter Skaronsky and you look at sixth round pick Jalen Duncan, two two offensive tackles, you know, following in the wake of Isaiah Wilson and, and Dylan Radens who who haven't panned out. Will Levis is, you know, comes a year after you you trade up 17 spots to draft Malik Willis and uh and by the end of the season when Ryan Tannehill can't play you pull Josh Dobbs off the street and you feel that's a better way to go than uh than to uh than to play Malik Willis and uh you know yes he drafted drafted a wide receiver but you know because clearly if you didn't come out of this draft with at least one wide receiver uh, it I think uh I think it would have it would have just created chaos here so so in a, in a lot of ways it 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 felt like to me like i say that 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 Rand Carthen was sweeping up after uh after some of the issues that that John Robinson created with his last couple drafts so i i don't know if uh if we can say this uh this draft because of that and because of the limited number of picks is is a clear indicator of of how Rand Carthen is is going to approach the draft how he's going to execute things in uh in the coming years. But I, I do think I, the one thing I, I do say I do, I think I saw is the decision to go up and get Levis that, that is reminiscent to me of, of John Robinson and that John Robinson was never a guy who would sit still and, and hope for somebody to fall to him. If he really wanted somebody, he made a move and, and went up and got him. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you look at the 2018 draft when he moved up twice to get Rashawn Evans first and then Harold Landry second, for example. Um, you know, in his first draft when he uh, traded up from 15 to eight to get Jack Conklin, you know, he, uh, you know, he he was he he was not a guy who sat back and wished and hoped. Certainly, uh, you know, all the reports were he was prepared to trade up to number three to get uh, to get C.J. Stroud until uh, until Stroud went number two to the Texans. So I, I think uh, I think going forward, that'll be something worth watching with uh, with this front office group and Rand Carthen in particular in terms of uh, in terms of how uh, how he approaches this thing. But uh, but as we uh, as we wrap this thing up here, uh, uh, you know, I guess I guess just all in all, Denard, you uh, you, you satisfied with this group again? Six picks. You you know you're not gonna you're not gonna dramatically reshape your franchise here. But uh, but do you, you give what what kind of grade? I, I guess maybe not so the class. What what kind of grade would you give Rand Carthen on how he uh, how he handled this thing and approached it? You think? Well, he sent a big message to the offense. <laughs> I guess they consider all you. Yeah. So that was his main concern. Yeah. Your defensive guys, you probably feel pretty good about Ray Carthen, but if offensively, if you kind of like, you know what, he's probably watching this room. But the fact that you got, uh, to me, the best offensive tackle um, in the draft and Peter Skaronski, and then you went out and got a player like Will Levis, who could have been possibly the number one overall pick. 
uh, and to get him in the second round with that at that thirty third pick. I mean, that's huge because what happens is is you're building you're building towards the future. And these two players are both young. I mean, when you look at Skowronski, he's only twenty one years old, and that's what's so phenomenal is that he has just so much upside. So I'm I'm quite. Uh, I like it. I, I give him a B. I think he did a great job in, in, in putting together some uh, pieces around uh, Derrick Henry and Ron Tannehill for next year. And, and John, and, and I, I should point out here too, we should have done this earlier, John Glennon now of the uh, Nashville Post. You can you can follow him, his Titans coverage and coverage of other things at NashvillePost.com. Um, you know, you were uh, you were out there on draft weekend. Uh, John, I, I was out of town this year, but uh, – what what was the what was the vibe like in the building? How how comfortable do you do you think uh, Rand Carthen was? How uh, how how like do you, do, when he, when he had his press conferences at the end of the day? Did you feel like he was very comfortable with the way things played out for him? I thought he was. You know, he certainly didn't seem rattled. Um, you know, he talked about uh, you know there were a couple times in the draft, and and again this is his first, but he said there were a couple times where you know maybe. Uh, in the picks leading up to the Titan selection, you know, maybe a guy they had their eye on, he gets picked and he sort of said, hey, that, that's a punch in the chest right there. Um, you know, and, and I have to think, uh, you know, the the, uh, the Colts did that to them once, um, jumping up a couple st- uh, uh, spots ahead of them to take a wide receiver. Colts got Josh Downs um, right before the uh, the Titans picked at number 81. Um, and then there was that, that turned the, uh, the Titans pick more into a, uh, uh, running back Tajay Spears at that point. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, in, in generally, I, he seemed like, uh, he was pretty positive. I, I did think it was a little unusual. He said, uh, afterwards, uh, you know, when, when, of course the first question was, you know, y- all six of your picks, uh, were offense for the first time. And, you know, basically in franchise history, you know, was that by design, and he and he said, and this kind of surprised me. Like I say, he said, you know, it just dawned on me about thirty minutes ago that that was the case that we picked all offensive players. And, it, and I kind of went, oh, uh, you know, you you would think as you're going through, uh, you know, you you might recognize that in in the midst of it. Um, but you know, he said he he went by the board, and 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 uh, you know, it's understandable uh, that if you're going by the board and and you have an offensive lean anyway, uh, because of the tight situation, you wind up at six picks, but. Uh, so Rand Carthen did okay but for the for the grade for the uh, for the draft crew in general. Uh, I, I might have to go, you know, kind of the B minus area somewhere in that area, B minus C plus. If Levis turns out to be a quarterback of the the franchise, all of a sudden it elevates your draft way way up. If not, you know, it's it's uh, it's a little disappointing. Yeah, this this is this is definitely not a group that we're gonna we're gonna say we know a lot about at the end of this season. I, I, it's gonna take. It's going to take three years, maybe maybe all four, before we have a a, a clear picture of what they did. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Believe in Titans podcast. Uh, we uh, we had a little bit of a gap between this episode and our last one. We wanted to wait for the draft. We will uh, we will be back. We'll drop another episode later this week. So uh, look forward uh, look forward to that. All you listeners out there, as always, we appreciate your. Uh, your your time and your interest in in these episodes and remember to to tell a friend we will we will talk to you again this is the believe in titans podcast
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.